welcome to episode 26 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Alma. And this week, we are talking about motivation. How to stay motivated, ways to stay motivated, and that will be in our What's Being Slept On segment. But before we get there, we will start with our shout-out segment. Yes. And so the first shout-out, I wanted to shout-out Rachel Cargill. And she's someone that I follow on Instagram because she describes herself as a Black woman academic as well as an intersectional feminist. And recently for her birthday, I believe she's turning 30 or 31, she is collecting funds to provide therapy for black women and girls. So her goal is to collect $100,000 and she had already raised $20,000 the last time I had checked on it. And she says that this is a way to tell black women, we see you, we hear you, we too are invested in your healing. And she calls this citizen-led distribution of wealth. So she has a link in her bio on Instagram that I wanted to share in case you guys wanted to follow her or if you just wanted to um, donate. And it's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L dot C-A-R-G-L-E. So that's her Instagram um, handle. And uh, she's really great. She always has really good quotes. She's always fighting off a lot of most of the time white women who attempt to discredit her work and say that she's being racist for holding white women accountable. And they get her stuff deleted. Yeah, they get her stuff deleted. And so I like that she's an intersectional feminist because she fits in kind of with like the ideas that I like. But she also teaches me a lot in terms of One of the things I used to do is when someone would say about issues of black women, I would try to say, well, how does my experience as a Latina woman also agree with that? And I learned that sometimes I just have to listen Mm -hmm. and say, like, okay, this isn't about how do I, even though I'm a person of color as well, I don't always have to fit into every conversation that she's having. So when they're specific about black women, I learned, like, just listen to the black women and, um, you know, that's there's it's a space for them as well whereas some posts are also for all women of color that I can be included in and so it's something that like even I learned as recently as this year and it's just really helpful and so if you're interested in her once again her IG is Rachel R-A-C-H-E-L dot C-A-R-G-L-E yeah so even if you're even if you can't donate she's definitely worth following like she um I think is an example of the kind of academic that I would like to be. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who is like, yes, I'm an academic, yes, I'm a professor, but then I also am all of these other things, and I don't Mm -hmm. have to turn off those other things to fit into the mold of um, stereotypical academia. Yeah. And then the second shout-out goes to Nadia Murad, who is who won the Nobel Peace Prize for her human rights efforts. And I believe she's the second youngest person to ever do so. So she was a former ISIS sex slave, and she uses her story as a former sex slave to describe how rape is used as a weapon of war and campaigns to raise awareness of human trafficking. So I actually read a story about just how she was sold. And it's just really heartbreaking because um, she, you're reading about something that you know is happening to thousands of women, not just now, but just historically. And so for her particularly, it's really important to know, because a lot of people are like, oh, just overcoming this makes her a Peace Prize winner. But the fact that like for people from her background, from her religion, from the area of the world that she comes in, to say that she was a sex slave, to admit that she has had sex with multiple people would automatically put her as someone who would be really vulnerable to attack. Um, It should be considered unclean, even though it's rape, like it wasn't her choice. And so that's one of the things that she says that just by coming out and saying I was a sex slave, she's already breaking boundaries. And I don't think people really understand what that means here in the Western context, because we just have a very different understanding of even though there's a lot of sexism here, like sexism can take different can play can look in different ways across the world. And so definitely shout out to Nadia Murad, who I think is incredibly brave, especially for her young age. And I think the Nobel Peace Prize for her was really well. Like, this is the, the type of people that I should go for to, not people like President Trump, who some people claim should get the Nobel Peace Prize. For doing talking to Kim Jong-un. Okay. I know. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jeez, y'all will go to whatever length. Like, golly. 
Golly, is the president enough? Like, I know, no, he's I, I don't want there. It's just his base. No, it's yeah. not serious. But. Oh my god. Okay, um, and so the um, last shout out goes to someone that I know personally. She is one of my best friends. It's Nicole Cox on her promotion to management in Ernst and Young's assurance practice, making her the only Black assurance manager at EY's Los Angeles office. So we graduated college together, and she has gone on to do major things she's working really hard she's been oh she has told me that she's been a little bit overwhelmed with all of the new responsibilities that this position comes with but it aside from that it is a blessing and yeah shout out to her i'm super proud so i hope that if you are listening nicole (laughs) you are hearing your shout out if she is not listening somebody let her know (laughs) okay so now moving on to our in the know segment So the first story I wanted to talk about is if you haven't heard or seen pictures or been on Instagram, Canada becomes the second country to legalize recreational marijuana. They just did that this week. Um, So Canada is the second country to do this after Uruguay. Um, And it's not just medical marijuana. It's uh, legalizing the possession and use of recreational cannabis. So I uh, just wanted to, I mean, to point out a couple of things. So one of the things, I was reading this article about it, and they were saying how Canadians smoke so much weed already or consume it so much. Like, they're one of the uh, one of the countries that consume it the most. And so it just made sense for the, this country to be one of the first to do it. But what's funny to me is that a number of analysts are predicting that there's going to be a shortage of recreational marijuana in the first year of legislation as production and licensing continues to ramp up to meet demand. (laughs) And this is something we saw in Colorado where they actually ran, shops ran out of marijuana when it first became legalized. And so this legalization fulfills a 2015 campaign promise by Prime Minister Justin the leader of the governing Liberal Party. Um, the gover- the federal government also predicts that it will raise about $400 million a year in tax revenues on just the sales of cannabis. And so in terms of people wondering, like, well, what is what exactly is legalized? Adults will be able to buy cannabis oil, seeds, and plants, as well as dried cannabis from licensed producers and retailers, and to possess up to 30 grams. That's one ounce, which you know, should last a person oh, like at least a month <laughs> if you're, if you smoke every day, it, you know, one person should last a month of dried cannabis in public or its equivalent. Um, and so in terms of edibles or cannabis infused foods, they will not immediately be available for purchase, but will within a year of the bill coming into force because the delay is meant to give the government time to set out regulations specific to those products. Because if you're not aware, um, ingesting cannabis is different than smoking it in the terms of its potency and how long it takes for uh, you to feel the effects. And so they're trying to set different regulations for that in uh, in about a year. And so although it's legalized, you still can't get access to cannabis. And so I'm just wondering if a lot of people are now going to be making trips to Canada to be able yes, to... Although you can go to these states like Colorado and stuff, but I mean, it's just kind of another plus, I guess. Interesting to see, you know, there's a lot of skepticism in terms of how they're going to be able to regulate, if this is going to impact crime, you know, how people like to say the correlation of marijuana use and crime, the correlation of marijuana use and drug abuse of other drugs. And so it'd be really nice as a researcher um, just to see like how this plays out. And so yeah. they're calling this an experiment. And so, oh, really? yeah, I'm really excited to see because if, if we go by what we've seen in the legalization um, or decriminalization of marijuana in other states here in the U.S., things get better. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you, there's I hate no when people crime. say like, oh, marijuana is a gateway drug. Yeah. Or, oh, if you smoke marijuana, then you're more likely to smoke crack. And it's like... No, it doesn't work like that. Like, I feel like yeah. if you're going to smoke crack, you're going to smoke crack. Like, it's not, yeah. you know. I, I mean, you don't die from withdrawing from marijuana, but you do die from withdrawing. You can die from withdrawing from alcohol. Like, alcohol. Oh, you can die? Yeah, you can die. If you're addicted to alcohol and you stop, you can die. Like, your body goes into, uh, if you like, you can have seizures and your body can shut down. Oh this for extreme alcoholics. I didn't know because, that. Yeah, yeah, alcohol. And that's the only drug where you can, like, your body shuts down from not having 
alcohol is so dangerous, but yet we don't really but know that. that yeah. yeah, because I think it's because of the people in charge and the people in charge yeah. of alcohol. And when people say that because alcohol is legal, now you're more likely to become an alcoholic. It's mm, like, yeah. no, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, yeah. no. I think that if anything, and we saw back in Prohibition, that like people were, you know, sneaking underground yeah. to drink and, you know, Overconsumed. Yeah, and the people are also questioning like what's gonna happen to the drug dealers. Like are they yeah, gonna be they're gonna have to get I think hopefully Yeah, well I think hopefully now, although I'm too scared of two things, that now only really privileged people will have access to be able to be licensed to hold to have these companies mm. to make money, leaving the people who are drug dealers who yeah. are just like on the corner or down the street, like not able to afford to do that. They mm. might get shut out in that way. But people are just saying, like, maybe the police just won't give a fuck about prosecuting those people. So you can still go to the dispensary or you can go to your friend down the street. Maybe they'll even be forced to lower their prices and be competitive. And so maybe that helps out the consumer. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But way to go, Canada. It would be interesting to be a researcher and go do an ethnography. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. So our second in the know goes to Corner Store Caroline. Y'all have probably heard about this because it is ridiculous. So a white woman in a Flatbush corner store. Yes, there was a white woman in Flatbush. Falsely accuses, or accused, I should say, a nine-year-old black boy of sexually assaulting her um, and called the police on him. So her name is Teresa Klein. She's been dubbed Corner Store Caroline after Jason Little John posted footage on his Facebook page of her calling the police on on nine-year-old Jeremiah Harvey. So in the video, which has already gotten over 7 million views since it was posted last Wednesday, Klein is seen arguing with Jeremiah's mother after accusing the boy of grabbing her butt. Jeremiah is seen and heard crying hysterically mm-hmm. as his mother goes back and forth with Klein, who is captured on film allegedly speaking to authorities about the incident. However, officers never arrived to the scene, and NYPD and an NYPD spokesperson tells Time there is no proof that she ever called 911 to report the incident. Two days after the incident, Klein returns to the Flatbush bodega and viewed surveillance footage that clearly shows that Jeremiah did not grab Klein and that it was most likely his backpack backpack that brushed up against her and in the in the video he's like not paying her any attention at all like he's running out of the store after his mom he probably was irritated being in there anyways and he he didn't even notice her surrounded by locals Klein is seen telling a camera crew she was mistaken in a separate Facebook video posted by little John finally after reviewing the tape she says I was wrong young man I don't know your name but I'm sorry Brooklyn Burrow President Eric Adams held a community meeting days later with Jeremiah, who delivered a simple message through tears. Friendship is really the key. Jeremiah also firmly rejected Klein's apology, telling WABC after the meeting that I don't forgive this woman at all. She needs help. Which I'm, I'm kind of glad because people are always like ask us people of color to For like forgive. Yeah. And I understand I'm in no way taking away from the people who find it in their heart to do that. But I think sometimes like be real and be like, no, like yeah. you, you, I mean, even though she didn't end up calling the police, like she could have. Yeah. And she pretended to. For what? Like and dramatic the, effect. And the historical implications of yes. white women claiming yes. sexual Mitchell, assault yes. yeah yes. on like young boys is yes. very real in this and it's not something that's forgotten and, yeah. and you shouldn't take it lightly like he's he's probably traumatized now yeah i mean i would be and yeah, it made and if you and, watch and the video mom, the way he was crying it was just so sad like, yeah i was, was his so sister sad. his little sister crying oh, i was God. sad too because it just like at nine years old i've nannied nine-year-old boys and i just like i it, it they Rubbed up against me, I would not think like, oh, he's thinking sexually because yeah. he's fucking nine. But no, but no, it's because he he's black and black children are so hypersexual. I mean, hypersexualized, hypercriminalized, all of these things. And so the assumption that you and then I also didn't realize until I was looking at the review footage that she's old. She is old. And yeah. so it's like, why? And she's a smoker, I mean, so she looks older. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I'm not trying to say that old people can't be attractive, but girl, if a nine-year-old is going to grab somebody's butt, do you really think it was going to be yours? Now, come on. Come on. Let's be let's be real. Let's be honest. So I was just like, no, this is ridiculous. And every, I mean, all the backlash that she's gotten, she deserves. Yes. 
Yeah. So in a similar vein, we also had an apartment patty this past week, a.k.a. Hillary Brooke Mueller, who harassed Darion Tolls last Friday night while he was trying to enter the apartment complex where they both live. Um, and so she has now been fired from her job. Um, that's the newest um, headline. So if you hadn't heard, Hillary, who was exiting the building to walk her dog, refused to let Darion into the complex. She insisted that he show her proof that he lived in the building. He repeatedly told her that he didn't need to give her proof and simply said, excuse me, several times as he tried to enter. She was literally blocking the door with her body and would not let him get in. Like, it was so ridiculous. And she kept saying, well, if you live here, show me. Show me. And several times he said the name of the manager and he said, you know, you're not this person and named the manager and said, I don't pay rent to you. Yeah, and she doesn't work. Yeah, you're not security. Like, let me in. And she's like, well, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. Um, Okay, so he pushed past her and then she followed him onto the elevator, continuing to badger him all the way up to his door. She kept saying, and then once she got, the funny thing is, like, once he finally got to the door, she was like, oh, well, now that I know you're a, um, a neighbor, I want to know your name and introduce myself. Like, girl, bye. No, yeah. I don't want to be introduced to you. I don't want anything That's to do with you. self-awareness. Yeah, she's ridiculous. So over the weekend, Miss Mueller's employer, Tribeca STL, which manages real estate elsewhere in the city, said in a statement on its website that it had reviewed the video and fired her. Tribeca does not own the building where Mr. Tolls and Miss Mueller live, but they are, um, they consider themselves to be um, a minority owned company and it consists of employees and residents from many racial backgrounds and it manages, uh, I guess, an apartment complex in St. Louis. And they say, we're proud of this fact and do not and never will stand for racism or racial profiling at our company. Mr. Toll said on Sunday that about 30 minutes after he got into his unit, a police officer did come to his door. They knocked and told him that uh, Miss Mueller felt, un- quote unquote, uncomfortable about Mr. Toll's being there. He said he told the officer that he was renting the unit and that he had shown Miss Mueller his key fob. So the fact that he even had to go through all of mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's like, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what um, these people want or expect from black boys and black men it's like they're just trying to live their lives just like you and you're making it your business to turn their lives upside down like just just leave people alone and just mind your business or the fact like if you're scared of someone why would you confront them and why would you follow them to their door like you're not afraid it's that enough that she would be like, oh, I'm going to call the cops. But to follow someone and confront them shows that you're not really scared. It's it's something deeper than that. Um, yeah, no, it was, I, I saw the video too, and it's just, it's just really frustrating. And it totally is racial profiling. And people are like, no, I, I saw people on Instagram saying he could have just showed her proof. And it's like, well, he why did. does he, He's, but he, he shouldn't showed, have yeah, he shouldn't to. have to, but he did, he, yeah. he, he, um entertained her and he showed her his key fob he even said several times the name of the managers yeah so it's like why couldn't you at that point just accept defeat and move on like pick your job off the floor and go walk your dog why do you have to follow someone to their door because you have this entitlement and privilege that you lived with all your life that you feel like you can do and say anything and you know, a lot, so for people uh, saying, oh, you know, white people have to, and it's the same with like the Me Too movement, people being like, oh, it's a horrible time to be a man. It's a horrible time to be white. It's like, no, like now we found a new way to point out to you that what you're doing is not cool. Yeah. And this has always been happening. It wasn't just this year that all these white women have started doing these things. Yeah. It's been like you just always bringing attention to Yeah, it. and we found an effective way to to be able to hold these women accountable. And I say these women because most of the time it's white women. Yeah, all these stories, there have been white women and they just use they they use the police like their personal security. Yeah. You know, and it's like I've been seeing I've also been seeing a lot of other like white women that are not, you know, doing these sorts of things saying how embarrassed they are. Yeah. Uh, as white women that there are white women doing these things. And it's like I don't want you to just be embarrassed. Talk to your people, talk to your friends, talk to your family and tell them like, no, stop abusing 911 because it, it can cost people of color their lives. 
and you take that so lightly and it's like no this is serious this is a serious matter for folks it's not like this is not just fun and games you know yeah. so people i think that it was in is it in new york where they were saying that they're going to start criminalizing i hope uh, so like abuse of 911 i mean i hope i i hope so too because and i hope that other states follow suit because this is out of control like you know you can't just use 911 for everything just because you feel uncomfortable check yourself yeah so two different stories with similar in the same week similar <laughs> i think motivation which is racial profiling and both these women i saw their interviews claim not to be racist and even this hillary mueller person um attempted to cry and say that she was heartbroken that she <laughs> was called a racist and it's just like you feel worse about being called a racist than the embarrassment of the fact that you act you like fucked up and did this to someone if i if i did that to someone and i like if I forget your name, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. If I assume that you're not with married to the person or you're not with the person you're with, like things like that. If I had done this, I would feel terrible and be yeah. like, okay, life lesson. I'm never doing that again. That was awful. I'm fucked up. But she just turned it around and was like, why are people mean to me? And it's like, don't be sad that you were called racist. Be sad that you are racist. Yeah. <laughs> like you are. This is your fault. You yeah. could have minded your business, it, but you did not. You chose to call the police. And so these are the consequences of your actions. Yes. Period. Okay, so now we're going to move on to something a little bit better, uh, or a lot of <laughs> bit better. So we're going to move on to our What's Being Slept On uh, segment where we're going to be discussing how to stay motivated. So I strongly suggest that you wake Okay, so now for our What's Being Slept On segment, um, we're discussing motivation, how to stay motivated, what you do when you aren't motivated, how you can get reinvigorated. Um, and so we have here a few questions um, mm -hmm. and some tips. Yes. Um, so first question, um, at this time, what is your biggest motivation or goal? So before, I, I think my goals have shifted, especially since I became pregnant. Mm -hmm. Now my goal is just to finish this program. It used to be like, get out of here with 10 publications, a uh, job at a tier one university, uh, blah, 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 blah. And now I'm just like, fuck that. I just want to get a PhD and to survive this delivery because it's just, you know, I... I'm just more, I, I don't want, I think a lot of the goals that I had weren't goals that I wanted. They were just goals that I thought I had to have. Mm -hmm. And so setting these goals of like, I want to be happy, which includes graduating from this program and having this baby and then being okay um, is good enough for me. And so at this moment, that's what my goals are. And so my biggest motivation is to be a happy person. Because I don't want to be this, like, stressed out, overwhelmed mom who, like, doesn't enjoy the her first child or this stressed out, overwhelmed person who doesn't enjoy the fact that I'm going to accomplish something that only point less than 1% of Latinos have been able to accomplish. 1% of people, period. Yeah, and 1% of people, period. And yeah. so it's just kind of like, I don't want to look back and be like, damn, my 20s went by real fast and not have memories of actually enjoying my 20s. Yeah. So for me, that's what my biggest motivation is, is to be happy and accomplish those two goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I like something that you said. So, uh, and I think that it's super important for this stage in our life, which is knowing where your motivation and your goals come from in the first place. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I remember, um, or and I guess it's like parents, right? Parents in general, they, you know, suggest that you pursue certain majors in college and then certain careers, you know, because they want you to be 
you know, they want you to be successful, they want you to have money, they want you to be taken care of and all that stuff. But then you go through a period where you're trying to figure out who you are, like the, you know, early 20s. Yeah. And it's like, what do I want in general? What yeah. are my goals, my personal goals that I'm defining for myself and that, you know, no one else is imposing on me? Um, and I think that that is a really hard realization to come to, especially if you've been doing something, you know, pursuing something in college and then you get, you finish college and you're like, I don't like this. I don't yeah. want to do this. You know? Um, so yeah, trying to figure out what your motivation and your goals are for yourself in the first place is hard. Um, but my biggest motivation and my goals, um, I guess... So I don't know. I guess this is hard for me because I um, I have things that I would like in an ideal world, goals that I would like in an ideal world. So I want to publish a book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, several books, but a book very soon. And um, even though my initial goal was not this, I think that the first one would be um, my dissertation. And so that is like my 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 primary goal and then you know getting a job obviously is a goal but I the thing is that I don't know what job that I well I do know what job that I want I just don't know if I can get it Mm. so it's like you know struggling to be you know optimistic but then also realistic is hard Mm -hmm. um so my realistic goal is to get a job that pays me well that I'm happy in Mm -hmm. my optimistic goal would be to um get a publishing contract and then be an author for the rest of my life um and maybe a speaker and stuff like that um but step one is to publish this book and you know to get a phd and Mm -hmm. whatever (laughs) Uh, so what do you what would you say is the hardest thing about staying motivated um i think for me in terms of my goals is how long it's taking Mm -hmm. um just because I think sometimes when you have goals like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year. Like, it's something you can track short term that you're like, oh, this month I lost five pounds. That makes me feel like I'm seeing something. But when you're in a PhD program for going on five years, you're just kind of like, I. it's hard to remember that the initial um, feeling that you had the first day of school or when you were applying of like, I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm so excited. I got accepted to this program. It's great. Um, and so I think that the hardest thing for me about staying motivated is just like how long it's taking me to accomplish the goals. And I know part of that's because I've chosen goals that take longer, but just when I see other people accomplishing their goals a lot earlier, it makes me feel like really frustrated and just kind of like, that also takes away like the wind beneath my sails where I'm just kind of like, man, this is taking so long. I'm almost going to be 30 and still haven't accomplished the one goal I set like five years ago. Yeah. And so for me, I think right now the hardest thing is just how long it's taking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we, we definitely chose um, fields where the gratification is like super delayed, Yeah, you know, and the goalpost keeps moving because it's like the long-term goal is to get it well the long-term goal is to get a job with the phd right but in order to get a job we had to do a master's thesis well i had to do a master's thesis had to pass your comprehensive exams which was like so there's all these like mm-hmm. really small goals within this bigger goal mm-hmm. and it and it's like once you accomplish one thing you want to celebrate but you can't because now you got to work toward the next yeah. work towards the next one and so yeah the goalpost keeps moving um and I and yeah I would say that that's hard for me too and I think also um really settling in like what I was saying before really settling in on what I want for myself so not set not setting goals that are there to appease or pacify or make somebody else happy but to set goals that are um completely self-motivated and that are that are set for my own happiness and coming up with those goals happened while I was in this program yeah I was like well I'm not about to drop out even though even though now I don't really care to be a professor or whatever um so I changed my goal I guess from being a professor to getting the PhD and then finding a career that better suits me and my personality and will make me happy. But now, because of that, I have to do extra work to try to make sure that I um, qualify for that. And so that, I think, is one of the things that makes it hard for me to stay motivated is 
is adjusting my goals and then trying to like get the I don't know reboot myself mm-hmm. to work toward that goal when it's yeah. like okay I've been I've, I've had all blinders and I've been focused on this but now I need to shift gears and gear up again and focus on this over here um yeah and so I guess that ties in really well with the next point which is burnout so what is burnout um, so just looking up a definition, um, burnout is the mental and physical exhaustion you experience when the demands of your work consistently exceed the amount of energy you have available. And so I wanted to talk about just signs of burnout because that sounds like, you know, you describe that and you're like, yeah, that sounds right. But like, <laughs> what does it actually look like? Um, and so some of the signs of burnout is apathy. So like a lack of interest in the things that you were once interested in. And so for me, like, I realized I was burnt out when I was just kind of like, Ugh, a PhD doesn't seem as meaningful to me as it did three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, physical fatigue. I think a lot of times we don't realize that the emotional and the physical are tied. Mm-hmm. So if you're mentally worn out, that impacts your physical state of, of your physical state. And so you actually get tired from being mo- emotionally and mentally worn out mm-hmm. um, and then feeling overwhelmed where you kind of feel the sense of like, I just don't know if I'm going to reach my goal anymore because there's so many things that I need to accomplish in order to get to that goal. And they seem so unrealistic at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think recently I have felt those things about yeah. my uh, motivation to get this PhD, um, particularly this year. And, you know, being pregnant adds physically to the exhaustion of it, but also to me added the feeling of how am I now supposed to accomplish this goal when I just, you know, I'm doing something that's making it that much harder to accomplish this goal, which is having a child while in school and just trying to be like, um, so already I think I was at the edge of like, I'm barely hanging, hanging on, like trying to pull forward and then finding out I was pregnant. I was just like, Oh my gosh, like this is just going to be so much harder um, and so I think like for me, that's the state that I'm I'm at is like, I definitely feel burnt out. And I think that's the motivation for this episode with Ebony and I trying to figure out like, well, then what do we do from here? Like once we realize we're burnt out, that um, what we, you know, we're physically tired, emotionally overwhelmed, like what are the ways to overcome burnout and to stay motivated? And so that's what we're shifting to this next half of um, this segment, which is, okay, now that we know what our motivations are, um, how hard it can be to stay motivated and what it looks like and feels like when you're not motivated, how do we overcome that? So I just wanted to talk about some tips to overcome burnout. Um, I'm in no way a, health, a mental health professional, but just this is things that I found to be helpful that I wanted to share from my experience. The first is to take breaks. Um, and so I know sometimes it seems like I'm just going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to celebrate once I accomplish this goals. But if you're, if you have a goal like ours where it's like get a PhD in, you know, five to six years, write a book, however long that takes, like if you wait to take a break until you accomplish your goal, you're going to like be miserable. And so what I've, so I recently took a mini vacation where I didn't have access to Wi-Fi, And so I couldn't do work. I couldn't do emails. And I literally just like laid around and read a book for fun. And I hadn't done that in a really long time. And it really helped me. Like I came back from that um, two or three days um, feeling like, okay, I could do the next week. And I really felt like before I went on that break, that um, I was just like almost to the edge of, I, I, I can't, like, I'm really frustrated with a lot of things. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> taking breaks. Okay, so I, I take breaks and I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard because I, I take breaks, but then I feel guilty about taking the breaks. So I haven't gotten to the point where I completely unplug. But as far as getting out of Houston, you know, as far as spending time with my partner, I prioritize that. And that didn't come immediately. I think that I was a little bit, I had gotten to the point of burnout before I realized that that was something that I wanted and needed. Um, I started 
maybe that maybe like two and a half years into the program and I was like you know what every once in a while like I need to take a step back because I was getting to the point where I was like so frustrated with this program I was so frustrated with having to like come to campus and interact with academic or even like use academic lingo like I was exhausted with just having to talk and fake and wear the hat it was too much um yeah so I I definitely empathize with that I think that that's um I mean, that's, that's critical because you, I think that there's, I don't know, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like there are different phases of burnout. Yeah. You know, like there's a burnout where like, okay, I'm exhausted. I need to take a break and I can come back. And then I think you get to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm just too run down. I'm done. You know, yeah. and then you, and then you have to leave or you have to, you know, you know, quit things. So I think it's important to take a break before you get to that point um, where you're like completely done. Um, and so then the second, um, way to overcome burnout is to reflect on why your work matters. Yeah. Mm, That's super important. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, also like just, I think that while when you were talking initially and you were saying how you felt when you, you know, were initially applying or Mm -hmm. initially got in and I just thought about that, you know, and reflected back on like where I was, how I felt, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, calling my parents and all of that. Um, And I think that getting back to the point where you, can think about and recall what motivated you to get into what you're doing in the first place um, and kind of try to channel some of that energy and like, you know, oh, I was so excited. I was looking forward to doing X, Y, and Z with this. Um, I, you know, what, what incentivized you to, even though, because like even for instance, this PhD program, I knew that it was going to take five years when I was applying. Yeah. But for some reason, the five years didn't seem too crazy at first. And then when I got in it, you know, and even though the years have gone by pretty fast, it's still like, you know, even though I only have like a year or so left, this year feels like it's dragging on longer than the last four years have, (laughs) you know? And I know that that's a mental thing, you know, my mind playing tricks on me, but it's like, it's important to take a step back and to, to reevaluate what motivated you to do the thing that you're you're pursuing in the first place. Yeah, and for me, what's been helpful is um, so I like um, kind of lately have been at, like a speaker or speaking to people about being a PhD student, and it's really brought a lot of I guess motivation back mm. in terms of like so. I recently spoke at a middle school um, that was like nine over 90% Latino about being a PhD student and just the fact like the fact that they how they looked at me and they clapped and like the, the response I got from teachers and how appreciative they were of having me come in there and speak to them about pursuing a higher education made me feel like oh yeah like it's important to get a phd because and as i was i was even saying to them it's important to get a phd as a latino because so few of us get it mm-hmm. i only had three latino professors in all t- 12 years that i've had in higher education and that's insane mm-hmm. given that the city that i live in is 40 percent latino and so like even saying that was like reminding myself like, oh, yeah, this mm-hmm. is the reason why getting a PhD was important to you. And so I think that that's been really helpful for me, too, is um, the way that I've been reflecting on my work is by talking to others about it. And that helps me to remind myself like why it is what I'm doing matters. And then the response that I get from other people of like, oh, that's really great that you know you want representation that you this is so important to you and um i found that to be really helpful and so i think like a way to overcome burnout is in whatever way um, that you can reflect on your work it may be posting on social media like um saying you know ten five years ago i wanted to do this now i'm this i'm that much closer and getting feedback from people telling you like oh, that's really great, keep going. That's a way that you can reflect on your work or talking to your family or just something where you're just like reminding yourself of some way, writing a letter to yourself saying like, this is where I am, to your future self, to your past self. Like those are ways that you can reflect on why your work matters. And I think that that will really help in overcoming burnout because that really has for me. Yeah. Um. Okay, so the last 
way, um, and I'm sure that there are plenty more, but um, is to unplug. And so I think that, <laughs> I think that for me, this helps with um, when I'm feeling, I think that this primarily helps me when I'm feeling like, oh, is what I'm doing even enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we work so hard, and then I'm like, looking on social media at all these people that are super popping, that seem to have just everything all together, financial stability, emotional stability, mental stability, and then I'm over here like, oh my god, you know, it's 2 a.m. and I'm still working on whatever, you know? And it's, and I think that it's important in those moments to take a step back and to remind myself that my journey is mine. And that I don't need to compare or compete or whatever with anybody else. It's like everybody has their own journey. And often I, I go back and, um, I, I saved one of those memes that talks about, um, it has all these like celebrities or super, um, accomplished people like Oprah. And it's like, Oh, remember that when Oprah was 26, she got fired from yada yada. And, you know, so and so didn't do this until they were 40 and all that stuff in it, in it. It, um, I think brings me back to reality and it's like, okay, you have more time than you think you do. Cause I constantly feel like, oh my God, I need to rush. I need to rush. I need to rush. I need to move faster. Like, what am I doing? My life is passing me by and I haven't done anything. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to whatever helps you to snap yourself out of that daze or that those moments where you feel unmotivated, you feel burnt out, you maybe feel a little bit insecure, you might feel inadequate. It's like, do those things. Seek out those things that help you and you alone. It's not about anybody else, you know, um, because I talked about how, like, a lot of times I feel guilty. I feel like, oh, I'm not working enough or I'm not working hard enough or I'm taking a break or I'm out of town or whatever. And it's like, so what? If that's what makes you happy, if that's what makes you, I should say, I, um, feel reinvigorated and like I can actually take on the next couple tasks or the next year and a half to finish this program or you know right now I'm working on my dissertation like I need to get through that and I felt like every you know as I embark on a new goal within the context of grad school it's like you have to start sprinting again you know and so it's like you finish this long sprint just to meet this goal to start sprinting again with no break in between you know, and so I think it's it's like I, I felt that after these last few months of starting the work of um, on my dissertation and I was like, oh, my God, like I'm over this, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. got to take a break, bring yourself back to bring yourself back to reality, remind yourself why you got into this in the first place, remind yourself why this is important to you um, and just think about think about the end goal, what it's going to feel like when you get there because you will get there. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talked about the signs of what burnout is the signs of burnout, how to overcome burnout. But now we wanted to close with how to recover from burnout. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the how to overcome is just like tips to like stop being burnt out. Mm-hmm. But once you stop being burnt out, it's like how do you get yourself back, back like, into, yeah. yeah, back in, back into it. And so the first is, of course, I'm always a huge proponent of talking to someone um, in terms of it can it doesn't have to be a mental health professional, but it really helps because they're specifically trained to be able to help. But I also know that that can be quite expensive. And so just talking to someone, whether it be um, so like, for example, this week. Um, I mean, I, I see my therapist, but I talk to my therapist about different things. So I don't always want to talk about sometimes I don't have enough time to talk about everything in my therapy session. And so this week in particular, I had my meeting with my advisor and she just straight out told me, she's like, you don't look good. She's like, you look really tired. Mm -hmm. And I was because I, I'm having less and less sleep. Um, and it's because like, you know, it's, I'm getting more and more uncomfortable now this in my third trimester of my pregnancy. And so she was just like, when you go home, like, don't do any more work today. Mm-hmm. She's like, don't worry about doing anything. Just go home and watch this baseball game. And it was just, it's really helpful to like, in my sense, get permission mm-hmm. to like not do anything. And yeah. so I think like, I try to be really good about um, letting people know that I need help. But I think at that moment, like, she was able to tell me like you you need to you need to stop and so if you're around friends if you're around family um and they kind of point out like you don't seem yourself or are you okay or you sound stressed what's going on like take that as hints of like okay like maybe i do need to put on the brakes pump the brakes and like do something here yeah 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I guess mine usually comes in the form of, like, me being irritable, mm-hmm. you know, and just being easily annoyed. Like, when I'm stressed out, I don't really want to talk about anything, you know, but it's like the people around me may not necessarily be stressed. So they're trying to have co- regular conversation with me, like, and I'm like, no, I, like, I, or I feel like I don't want to talk. And so I might, you know, seem irritated or get easily irritated. And when usually uh, my boyfriend <laughs> points those things out to me, then I have to check myself and be like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just stressed. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. And it's important to, to pay attention to that. And, to um shift gears based on that because i think that we also feel like we are required to keep going and to push through and all of that and like zoma said earlier you know your mental state can ultimately impact your physical health and Mm -hmm. so you have to pay attention to that it's like oh you might be you feel like you might be able to tolerate some stress some anxiety some feelings of being overwhelmed some panic and all that stuff until it starts to take a toll on your health and then it's like oh shoot i can't handle that so to, to nip that in the bud and to face it early on, it's important to pay attention to how you're feeling and your stress levels and all of that stuff. Yeah, and that goes with our next point, which is to lean on friends. Um, and so sometimes, uh, particular for me and my personality, I'm not, I feel like if I talk to my friends about my issues that it's like a burden. It's like, oh, my friends don't want to know. They're, they must be tired of hearing me complain about being pregnant. Yeah, which but, is like, you did not tell me about all the, like, I mean, all the stuff that you're saying right now, I'm hearing for the first time. But it's just like, and that's because I, and it goes back to like how I, in my family dynamic, um, I was just raised to be really tough. And it's yeah. like, you tough it out. Like, yeah. life is shitty. Life is, is hard. It's hard for everybody. Yeah, it's hard so, for everyone. Yeah. You're no different. Yeah. And so, um, like, as w- working on this podcast and, like, thinking about these things, it's like, this is the part where I need to work on the most, which mm-hmm. is leaning on other people because I let a lot of people lean on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I volunteer to have people lean on me. I, uh, I'm in my family and in my friendship networks, I'm the person that people call to talk things through. And I like that role. I like being that person, but I also forget that I need to do that to them too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, you know, after my advisor kind of told me like, you need to stop, I'm, I feel more open to be like, okay, like I'm at a point now where it's probably okay to be like, Pregnancy is making me really tired and I am feeling really overwhelmed. And so I think actually last night I broke down to my partner and I was just crying and I was like, I am so uncomfortable. And I didn't even know where it came from. I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. I, cause I was trying to work on this table, just making a table. And it was taking me hours because I can only sit in one position for so long before I get uncomfortable and I have to stop working. And so I was just crying and I was like, I am so unproductive now. Like, I can't do it. Like, I have so much to do. I don't see how I'm supposed to finish this much of my dissertation before the baby comes. I still have to do all these things and I feel really uncomfortable. I don't feel good. And just like, saying it made me feel so much better because I I think for me there's this perception of like I have to be a happy pregnant woman because Mm. you know because of Instagram people make it look so cute (laughs) it's like it's bad of you if you complain about being pregnant then people come with you of saying you should be happy a lot of people can't get pregnant or with the whole like it's a blessing or with the whole like you're gonna miss it when it's gone and I don't think it's okay for us to say like there are some parts of pregnancy that are not cool that are kind of like burdenous and they take a toll on you and it's 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 like wearing you down and it's sometimes it, it is really like you 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 kind of like don't like it. And so I think that's what I'm learning about this burnout and particularly with being pregnant. It's because it's a different type of burnout than the burnout I experienced in the past because it wasn't coupled with this physical, like actual difference. So before I was just stressed where now it's like, there's like my body, like even the way that I breathe, I there's more oxygen going to the baby. So there's less oxygen going to me. And so my therapist was explaining to me, like, that oxygen that used to just go to you 
really helped you be productive, helped you like get uh, energized, helped you do all do feel good. And now there's less ox- oxygen to your brain because it's going to the baby. So you feel more tired, like physically. Deep. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, just thinking like physically I'm burnt out because I'm like making something. And so just reminding that to myself and feeling like, okay, I should share that with other people. And I think not only because I get support from people, but like other people will know, like when you're pregnant, you're going to feel this way. And if I don't share that with you, because I'm one of the first people in my friend groups to get pregnant, they're not going to know, like this is a real part of pregnancy. And then when they experience that, they're not going to feel like that's okay. And Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to make sure to be like transparent about that in that my burnout, a part of my burnout is like being pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, okay. And so lean on friends. I mean, I'm not, re- I'm not good at that. I don't do it well at all. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should but get better. Yeah. But I mean, there are different people recover in different ways. Like. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know how to like talk to people about issues that I'm having. I mean, I'll tell people like, you know, months later, like, oh yeah, you know, six months ago I was, I, this X, Y, and Z happened. But in the moment, it it doesn't come naturally to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, and I also wanted to add one thing that I do like to do is to do, so I know people do vision boards, um, you know, for the beginning of the year. But I try to do them um, several times, like, throughout the year in order to bring myself back to what my vision is or what my goals are. And I think that that's really helpful to me. Um, I don't like post my vision boards up around the house or anything. I just, you know, I put it in a certain place and then I'll take it out, look at it, maybe look at it every day for a week and then be like, okay, I'm recentered. Like I know what I'm trying to do because sometimes it's like your goals can get away from you when you're tired. And when you're exhausted, it's like, you know, like, again, like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why am I putting myself through this? You know, I'm miserable. But then you recenter yourself and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. So now it's on this pretty, like, colorful board with all of these, like, magazine cutouts. And I can see clearly where I'm headed or where I'm trying to go. Um, Okay. And so third, to recover from burnout is rest. Um, And so I think that... You know, that's kind of similar, maybe similar. No, I guess not too similar to taking a break. I guess this rest is like to literally like lay down. Yeah, like take a break. Come to me and be like, "Uh, for 30 minutes, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. For the rest of the day, I'm going to do this. But like rest is like physically lay down. Yeah. On the sofa. Yeah. Watch TV. Yeah. Chill with your pets. Yeah. Like, you need to fit, like, because, like, we're talking, it's physical impacts, I mean, the mental impacts the physical. Yeah. So, your if your mind is racing at a thousand miles a minute, like, that's putting a lot of stress and strain on your body that you need to take account for. And so, literally, just, like, we mean, like, take naps, rest, yeah. lay down. And a lot of times, you can feel your body demanding that, yeah. you know, because I, I don't know if you've heard of, like, you know... Um, the statement, like, when I have so many things to do, I just want to take yeah, a nap. Yeah. And it's like, that's your body literally, like, saying, lay your ass down. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you, you're exhausted. Um, and so it's like, whenever your body is speaking to you, listen, because it's a lot of times that's the, that's the first warning. Yeah. And then there are other warnings that, that come from that. Like, you know, like before, before I went out of town, I was like so anxious, like I couldn't sleep. And so I would fall asleep and then I would wake up at like 3 a.m. and then just be up for the rest of the morning. And it's like that, that is literally my body responding to my anxiety is that I, what I couldn't stay awake. I mean, I couldn't stay asleep. And then I would just be up thinking about, oh my gosh, okay, tomorrow, whenever you get up, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And it was like, no, I never needed to get up because I was up. (laughs) And then then I'm, that means that I'm super tired and I don't really have enough energy to do what I need to do the next day. Um, but if, if you do, I don't know what some people like, like I'm, I like to make to-do lists. Um, so to do list throughout the day and it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to work on. And if I don't get to all these things, then those shift to my to do list for the next day. Um, and so it's important to make sure that you prioritize that you have, you know, the things that you need to get done. And that helps you, that helps your bigger goal to be more, to become more realistic. 
You know, it's like, all right, I'm, I have these smaller goals that I'm working toward every day. And then I have this big goal, maybe for the end of the week and then for the end of the month, for the end of the semester, whatever. Um, that helps me a lot. Yeah. And that goes with our next point of do what you can. Yeah. And so, yes, the, you know, and this is something I've learned recently. It's like, yeah, I, I want to do all these things every day, mm-hmm. but I have to be happy with doing what I can yeah. and um, not being so hard on myself and not having super crazy expectations of this week, you're going to do 20 interviews and you're going to turn in these applications and you're going to do this extra thing and you're going to get the baby room the nursery ready and you're going to do all these things. It's like, okay, today I'm just going to try to do my best and whatever I don't get to, like Ebony said, can shift for tomorrow mm-hmm. because the most important thing is uh, that you're okay. Yeah. And which ties into our last point of look out for your health. Um, and so we, we talk a lot about the connection of the mental and the physical, and that's not only because I'm a health researcher and those are the two areas that I I work on and that I, I see, but also because I experience it, like when I feel really overwhelmed and stressed, like my health takes a, there's a toll on my health and like what's happening to your body is your, everything gets inflamed because of stress. And so your body's literally like on hyper alert. And so you're using all these reservoirs of energy to just be on Ooh, hyper like alert and to, be, and to be inflamed. And all that should, you know, is taking extra like juice or energy from you that you're normally not using because you're stressed and overwhelmed and burnt out and so that leads you susceptible to like getting a cold because Mm. your immune system isn't at its strongest because all this energy is being used to be on hyper alert so I think that sometimes you know especially for people who are like oh my gosh I get sick a lot like I get a cold I get so I get infections. I don't know why I'm so sick. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes it's not just uh, you're around six people or germs someone got you or sick or, or germs. Yeah. Sometimes it's like looking at, well, what is it in my life right now that's that's contributing to my physical well-being? And a lot of that time, it can be something that's tied to your emotional state. And so that's why we emphasize that it's really important to look out for your health because you can't recover from a burnout and stay recovered if you're unhealthy or if you're not um, feeling your best. And yeah. so it's really important that you look out for your health by listening to your body, like Ebony said. And, and if you feel yourself feeling anxious or if you feel yourself being sick more often than you're used to, if you feel yourself being really tired to the point where it's like 4 p.m. and you like have to go to sleep because you just <laughs> like, like me right now. Yeah, like it, it may not just be you're lazy. It may just be like your body's literally telling you like, hey, like we need to chill. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, these are just like tips and points that I found to be helpful for me that some of these are inspired from the research that I do. Some of them are inspired from like articles that we found on the Internet but mostly just what we found to be effective in our own lives. And, um, you know, we're graduate students, but that doesn't mean that other people who are not graduate students or in school or working don't have issues with motivations mm-hmm. or burnout. This, this impacts all of us. And it doesn't matter your age either. Like stress and burnout is just, I think, really American. Yeah. Because there's so much, we're such like a... Yeah. There's so much emphasis on work. And yeah. Like work, 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 work. And it's like... Yeah. You have to, and we even have, like, whenever we do play or have, like, free time, it's associated with work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like you have to work so that you can play. Yeah. Whereas yeah, other, yeah. you'll look at other cultures, you know, like, I love Italy's culture where it's, like, at lunchtime, people are eating with their families. Shit shuts down. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, like, yeah. we don't have that. Like, we're, like, work around the clock, work through lunch. You know? Yeah, like, work true. at night, work overnight. Like, it, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's obsessive. And I hate it, but because this is the culture that I'm in, I guess to a certain extent, I have to fall in line. But it's like you, I mean, you have to pay attention to yourself. You are not living this life for anybody else. And if you get too stressed and then you're suddenly unhealthy and then you get sick and you drop dead, guess who you think that your employers or whatever are going to lose sleep? No, they're going to replace you. And so they're not going to say he worked really hard. No, they're not. They're not. And so you need to make sure that you take care of yourself because you will regret it if you do. Yeah. No one is going to look out for you like you can look out for you. Say it again. 
So um, <laughs> if you have any questions, any feedback, um, want to reach out to us uh, for shout outs, for future topics, for things that you found helpful or unhelpful, feel free to send us an email at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at wokeishpodcast. We always love listening to, uh, we always love getting feedback from you guys, whether it is sharing it through your IG story, tagging us in posts, um, look out for clips that we post every week about the episode. Um, thank you so much for listening and it's nice to have, uh, to be back after a week yeah. off and hope you were able to catch up, but, uh, we'll be, uh, doing our scheduled, uh, episode next week. Yes. So see you then. Bye.